The battle for the soul of Sheffield has been rumbling for nearly 18 months now between the landlord that want their building back and the current tenants who don't want to leave. It's divided opinion as the lead mill is one of the world's most iconic, historic and famous music venues and the last thing Sheffield wants is for someone to come in and cock it up. Welcome to the Sheffield Scoop. Welcome everyone to the Sheffield Scoop. This is Harry. And this is Alistair. And we've managed episode two. Um, and it is we this time, as you would have heard, because my co-host Alistair Oak is in his first scoop. How are you, Alistair? Yeah, sorry about that one. Last week I took um, <laughs> some of my first annual leave in probably, I don't know, six months, <laughs> some of that era. I, 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 I took the week and I was sad to miss the first episode. My face is, in fact, on the title card. I am meant to be a permanent co-host. It's very good to be speaking to you all today. <laughs> it's all right. We'll need a break. We'll need a break sometimes. Um, today for episode two, we are discussing one of the biggest stories to come out of Sheffield's lifestyle scene in the past year. Of course, the Save the Leadmill campaign saga battle, whatever you want to call it. Pictured as the battle between the venue's managing company and the boss, Phil Mills. Uh, they are being evicted by new owners, the Electric Group, under director Dominic Madden. Through ongoing legal issues, the occasional protest, and everyone in the Steel City having something to say about it, uh, one word to describe the saga would be emotion. It's emotionally driven. It's uh, even pitched by the Leadmill team as the battle for the soul of Sheffield. That's a quote. It's on their posters. It's the battle for the soul of Sheffield, the last stand of the true residents of the venue being swept out in a hostile takeover by the man from London. <laughs> just just a few weeks ago, the man from London and Save Leadmill <laughs> did battle in Sheffield City Council Chambers for a shadow licensing hearing, uh, which would put the electric group, um, who we should say actually, uh, and should clarify, are acting completely legally and within their means as landlords and owners of the building that the current team are paying rent for. Um, it, it, it put them in the driving seat, uh, the electric group is, it put the electric group in the driving seat to take over. Now, the shadow license sits in the background and permits Mr. Madden and the electric group to take over the premises and run it as it currently is. When potentially they take over after court proceedings come to an end in Leeds in 2024. People who attend the lead mill are largely, um, not all, but largely young people who evidently listen to podcasts. <laughs> uh, so we thought we'd bring this debate to the scoop uh, and hear from both sides. Uh, but perhaps uh, unsurprisingly, given previous form, the lead mill have refused to get involved. They said no one will be available to record this week to provide their side of the debate. So for episode two, we only have the man from London. So joining us on the scoop now then is the CEO of the Electric Group, the people who will eventually ultimately be taking over at the lead mill. Um, how are you, Dominic? Thank you for coming on to the scoop. It's good. Thank you. Nice to speak to you. Finally. Finally, yeah. Well, it's it's been a long time coming. Uh, we may end up yeah. speaking more in the future because obviously we're we're, sure. we're not going to be finished by by the end of today. Um, I think we'll just jump straight in um, and and start with um, why Sheffield and why the lead mill. It's it's such a historic venue, um, mm. which you know I, I I would you argue that it it will be out of your portfolio, which we know is quite large. Um, that there's not much more. Is there anything more in terms of historic and history and culture than the lead mill? Oh, the lead mill is phenomenal. I mean, so my background's in theatre. So originally I, I started my career in theatre and I ran a, a not-for-profit um, small art space in southwest London called the Blatchmere and Battersea. So my original career 
from when I was in my early 20s to my mid 20s, really, was running uh, spaces which which effectively had the similar kind of spirit to the Leadmill original incarnation. So when uh, the Leadmill came up and became available for sale, I was really, really interested in it. That's because... the building, that isn't it? It's that that's the building. Sorry, rather than obviously this brand of the lead mill. Yeah, that's no, the, the, but look, build, the thing is, you know, buildings go through. Look, music venues. So, but, but but the point I'm making is, is that the lead mill had a very interesting, significant cultural kind of history, yeah. and and I and actually I had friends who were involved in it early days so Robert Noble who's an old friend of mine who runs Cameron Macintosh in the West End and he's a theatre producer he was involved in the lead mill in the late 80s and early 90s when it was run as a charity so I, I had a, so when I was approached by a property agent I think it was in 2016 regarding our interest in buying the freehold of the building I talked to Robert and I also talked to Simon Fanshaw who's a comedian who's an old friend of mine as well and he used to play the lead mill originally as well so I kind of I had a sense of what it was and I also knew that obviously as has recently been discussed and debated in in, mm. in, in Sheffield itself that yeah. there'd been a, a change in in direction uh, from the original concept of the lead mill as a sort of a uh, as a as a ve- as a venue created and paid for by the Sheffield Council back in the 80s mm. and then it went in a commercial direction under under Phil Mills and so where we are today, of course, is the end of a tenancy. Uh, well, back yeah. in March this year, Mr. Mills's tenancy came to an end. So when we bought it, um, it, it was it was under it, there was a, it was under challenging circumstances because the building, the freehold interest in the lead mill had been put up for auction in 2013 mm-hmm. and had been put up and hadn't sold and had been put up for auction again in 2013, August 13. And again in 2014 with Lambert Smithampton, Hannah hadn't <laughs> sold again, and that the owner of the building was a property developer based in Manchester. Yeah. And the context to his plan was a redevelopment. So he was looking because, of course, at that time the hacienda had just been well had recently been redeveloped for flats. So yeah. the the there was something in the air at the time. So in 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 sort of 15, 16, 17 regarding what would happen to this 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 built this building and i believe and i'm look i've got fair, a fair amount of experience in all of these issues i do believe that it would have certainly if mcr had retained ownership of the building it would mm. it, mills would now be dealing with a planning application issue uh, trying to bring his lease to an end for development as opposed to a music venue operator who runs lots of very very good live music venues up and down the country simply wanting to uh, bring Mr. Miller's lease to an end and operate it as a gig, which is what we want to do. Hearing you say that does make me want to ask, um, when did Leadmill first cross your radar? Because on that, we, we talk about the cultural and the history in that. Did you get a chance to visit or be very much involved with Leadmill before this opportunity came up, or have you known it beforehand? Well, I knew about it. Um, I knew about it. And in fact, if you ask any tour manager around, uh, anywhere around, you know, around the world, everybody knows Sheffield Leadmill. I mean, this is <laughs> This is why it's culturally significant. And as a, as a music venue, it's incredibly well known. And this is one of the things which, you know, just winding back. So, you know, my interest in it uh, was, was there were a number of reasons, but it became more it became more obvious to me that it was something that we should do um, by virtue of the fact that 
Electric Brixton became really successful in 2013 and lots of bands started to play it and it got real traction. And then we bought a building in uh, a, a high street nightclub in Bristol, which was then called Syndicate. And we, we, we effectively took that over and it was doing phone parties and, you know, it was just a typical city centre club space, mainstream club space. And we turned that into something called SWX, which was a big, successful, mm-hmm. credible, well, credible. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's a very, it's a very well-loved and very, very popular uh, touring standard live music venue and club space in Bristol, mm. which was subject to a big fire last year. So, no, 21. So it got burnt down. So I had to get it rebuilt and it reopened last September. So it was for me, it was about confidence because we, Electric was really successful. And actually, you know, in the UK live music business, the academy circuit, which dominates things, and that's dominates, you know, at, at the kind of thousand cap upwards. Um, level of acts and I've always been quite maverick in terms of how I approach things and I, my first venue was the Coronet in Elephant and Castle which was an amazing venue but I was a bit too early and and you know Academy was very aggressive and they still are to a degree because they're owned by Live Nation but yeah. Electric was very successful and we were doing club shows and gig and live shows and we broke a mold because you know 15 years ago even 20 years ago, you know, and I mentioned this, I've mentioned this recently, you know, management, bands, management agents would say, you have to be one of one thing or the other. And in electric, we were doing, you know, we broke the mold because we were doing, you know, amazing stage-based, production-based club shows until 7am. And mm. we were putting on, you know, Liam Gallagher the next day in the same environment. So, you know, you, what, well, what people used to say in music was that you you had to be a super club or you had to be a you know a rock venue or a, club, a, a kind of credible live space and we've been able to fuse those things together so electric became phen- phenomenally successful it still is we then took over swx and created a a touring standard live music venue that everybody uses not just independent operators not independent promoters yeah. national promoters and then i thought well hang on so lead mills going to get knocked down why don't we look to uh, at some stage it's under threat effectively by its by its owner let's buy it's it to go and saying it was going to get knocked down though it's a strong one we were saying you were saying that you think it might be dealing with a planning application right now i'm not sure it would ever come to a fact of it being knocked down but i can see sort of the conclusion of that one yeah but i mean if you look at it if you look at it and we've talked to you know talked to people in you know in the political leadership and things at the time there was very much a strategy of you know a lot of development of, of of student housing schemes in and around that area, which have happened. And I know quite a lot of them are substandard. But, you know, what I'm saying is, is that if you have a developer that owns a building who has no interest in retaining it as a music venue, what they do is they tap dance through various applications and then they get vacant possession of the building and then they just sit on it. And then over 10, 20 years, it just sits there and eventually it disappears. I mean, I've seen it a number of times, you know, for example, in Brixton, we've got a building up the road, which is a beautiful grade two listed theatre. It's the largest stage in London called the Streatham Hill Theatre. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, there's a strategy of obfuscation by the landlord because they want to develop the building for residential. They've been very clear about it. So I think it's naive to suggest that uh, the, the lead mill would have just sat there kind of, you know, protected forever because it wouldn't well, 
I would love to have seen a safer level campaign if it was going to be knocked down for. Yeah. No, I get. I take that point, but my my. But I guess <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that you know, the save the lead mill campaign is an emotional campaign based on the use and love of a particular cultural asset. What I'm talking about is, you know, the ability for a for a, a for a building owner to get what it wants, and if a developer owns a building, and you know, it starts the process of putting in our planning applications it doesn't the, the tests aren't particularly high to, to to be able to justify to a judge that it wants to get the building back for its own purposes or to, to start works and etc so i think what what i'm saying is this is all fascinating legal stuff but the reality is is that we own the building and we mm. intend to run it as a music venue to say well 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 we kind of touched on the same level then you, you know uh, you, you, it certainly is an emotional campaign what do you think public opinion is of this saga then I think it's all changed in the last six weeks. I How think so? That, well, mm. I think the campaign was full, fully throated, but it was based on a fundamental, you know, misrepresentation. So the campaign basically launched in April 22 with a lead, save the lead mill, but from what? They didn't say who, who, who owned the building. But what they did say was that it was, then they started this sort of disingenuous narrative of, you know, London landlord and billionaire Tory and all this nonsense. I mean, I'm a member of the Labour Party, so the idea that I'm a billionaire, <laughs> billionaire Tory is just the most hilarious nonsense I've ever heard. But they started they they started to feel enabled to say things that weren't true, and that's and, what's happened. And so, I guess that kind of brings us very nicely onto um, a, a particular moment in the hearing before the yeah. licensing committee when a man that we now understand to have been Phil Mills um, stood up and referenced conditions on um, the electric bricks. And he said you had um, 70, 77 well, yeah, 70 was, conditions, yeah. which, which I believe um, on, on behalf of the electric groups, uh, we were told was completely baseless, um, which would imply well, no, no, simply conditions, not true. Condition, conditions are so... Basically, uh, a premises license is a live thing and it can change over time. So, for example, we took over the premises license of Electric Brixton when it was the fridge. So we took over that premises license in 2011. So the conditions that are imposed on that license were, were effectively inherited. So, and, and as I made clear in through the hearing and actually has provided in evidence, there was a letter from from Lib Peck, who was the leader of Lambeth Council, to yeah. her um, compatriot at Newham Council, and she she confirmed how, you know, we'd taken over a problematic premises, which had been the local authority and stakeholders, including police and councillors, etc., wanted it shut because yeah. there'd been a license review. So again, Mr. Mills is being disingenuous because he knows perfectly well that those that those conditions don't haven't recently been applied to my license in Brixton. The council have never uh, applied for a, a license review of my license in Brixton or in Bristol or in Newcastle or anywhere else. In fact, in Newcastle, I've just been, a, I've agreed, well, the, the local authority and the police have agreed to extend my uh, weekday operating hours to 3am against their own policy uh, because they view us to be an outstanding operator. So, again, Mr. Mills, I mean, he talked about rapes and stabbings and shootings. Did, and, yeah. and, and my view of that is that was an unhinged outburst. 
<laughs> I mean, you know, if you'd like to go back and tell me where there was a stabbing, uh, well, there was a, uh, there wasn't, a, there wasn't a stabbing in Electric Brixton during the Roddy Rich incident. There was a, there was a, an unproven violent incident that we think it was actually it, uh, somebody came in on a guest list with a, a sharpened credit card. Sometimes people wow. can get in, so they got through the security. We we actually had a, a lot of security on that event, but anyway, that's by the by. But the point the, the point that I'm making is is that Phil Mills made a number of unsubstantiated claims, and it, but but this is sort of the thrust of the whole thing. I mean, their whole campaign was based on um, unverified social media reviews, or a lot of it. So you know, they they referred to, and I, I think I touched on this in the hearing. You know, they 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 said, well, you know, there's been a stabbing. Well, has there? Oh, there's been a there's been some kid arrested for for um for cannabis dealing. Well, actually, has there or has there just been an inappropriate? Has there been, you know, the Bristol Post getting something wrong and mis- mm. misunderstanding something? So, mm. you know, I think we're getting into very dangerous territory where we are uh, measuring the success and compliance of, of a particular operator by what people say on the internet. Well, in I, 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 and, I, and I think that's that's a perfectly fair thing to, to question. Well, the, the, I, and, I, and, and I'm afraid, and, but what's interesting is if you read the, um, the uh, judgment of the licensing committee, they just thought it was all irrelevant nonsense, basically, is what they've mm-hmm. said in their judgment. They did, yeah, yeah. That is that is effectively what it says, and, and we, we did we did ask uh, the lead mill if they wanted to get involved in the in this episode. We yeah. thought it would be uh, you know considering who. Well, they don't ever seem to want to be able to. They don't. Uh, thing no. is, I mean, they run a campaign which is sending Exocet missiles to me on social media. But going back to the point, you, the question, which is what does public opinion change? I think it's changed because I think they see it for what it is, which is that it's actually, you know, a falsehood. Uh, yeah. We're not, we're not crooked people from London. We're p- perfectly decent people. We've got a good track record. We run very good safe premises. Uh, we're interested in cultural venues. We're not interested in money. And this whole kind of north versus south narrative, which has been stoked by them, is kind of mm. just a bit, it's just unhelpful. And actually what this is about is Phil Mills is very, very angry because he had an opportunity to buy the lead mill. He, in fact, he made a flippant offer to buy it for 150K. He didn't buy it. And he's and just, just for reference then, how, how, how much did you buy it for, if you don't mind? 600K. We bought it for 600,000. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it was auctioned twice. He chose not to do that. And then he's got very annoyed with me. I mean, it's very, but, you know, again, you know, I wrote to him. So pre, so when they, they initiated their campaign in, in April 21, I wrote to him in September 21, no, it was April 22. Um, I wrote to him in September 21. I wrote to him again in December 21, uh, seeking, asking to meet twice. And I kept writing to him and he didn't respond. He, to knowing, I've never spoken to him. He yeah. refuses to talk to us. So it's a very strange state of affairs. I'd like to pivot on that one there. You said about trying to get in touch with him. A, um a sort of a pet theory in the newsroom before a lot of this kicked off was, I would like to ask you if there was ever an opportunity or if there was a time where you were considering uh, the team is currently there and you made your arrival. That was a team that was based in the Lebanon at the time. And a big part of the update is that feel that they're being removed or there's a hostile takeover where they're being kicked out and the London man's coming in. Was there ever a consideration of hiring the team that's currently there? It's an absolutely valid point. But that was the point of the letter in September 2021. 
Because in my letter, I, I reached out to Phil and was asking to talk about his plans for the future. And that was that was a, an invitation to talk about how this could be. Because in, in a normal situation, the baton is passed from one person to the next. So effectively, we want to be in a position where the people that own a building, potentially, or operate it or commercially are invested in it, um, who employ people, uh, have a lease or whatever. Mm. It's irrelevant who they are. It's important that the, pe- the team on the ground are continue to be successful. I mean, as I said... You know, in all my venues up and down the country, we've got incredibly strong people. They're local teams that run because I, I, I am not one of these people. I'm not an academy group. It's not set. We don't run our venues um, prescribed from a head office in London, and everybody just you know get sort of follow follow follows um, a precise set of instructions because each local area has their own has has their own sensitive sensitivities in terms of what. Well, in all kinds of different ways. So, yes, that's absolutely right. Um, and in a normal scenario, you know, we would have entered into a commercial arrangement and people, all the team there would have been handed over from one employer to the next. And in some, and I, as I've said, and I said it to Toby Foster a number of times, what I'd like to see happen here is that we, once we get over this nightmare and we've got, we get the keys to the lead mill, uh, or the premises known as the lead mill. Otherwise, I'll get a letter from Mr. Mills. Um, the mm-hmm. we would we would engage with everybody as much as we can. Um, well, yeah, we're talking about receiving the uh, receiving the lead mill as it is, or the building formerly known as the lead mill. Although I'm not sure what the legality on that one is. Well, um, he owns the trademark, you see. Trademark. Um, so previously we've had uh, general manager Ian Lawley. You've probably seen this interview we had with the Star. I'm talking about whenever this. You, Call it whenever the nightmare will be over. He's said previously that the team's intention is to quote unquote strip it back to a derelict flower mill. They're going to take it back to the condition they supposedly found. I know it's a different team that founded it 40 years ago, but they said they're well, going to take it. They, 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 Have you planned for this? Well, yes. I mean, look, Mr. Lawler, I don't think quite understands what he's talking about, to be honest. I mean, there's a there there is a requirement. This is all technical property law stuff you're you're referring mm. to. I was going to ask the legality. Yes, the, the tenant that you know we own the freehold of the building, and 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 Mr. Mills may take his fixtures and fittings out, but if he damages the building and through the pro, through the process of doing that, then that's a very serious matter. So, you know, this is all stuff that shouldn't be being debated on podcasts. This is a this is in a normal scenario we'd be talking. You know, again, you know, we put in our surveyors. Uh, to review the building in 21 we we need to be you know we went up there in february last year we wanted to get in to finish the job of inspecting the building and mr mills refused to allow us in so right. you know we did, yeah <laughs> we're in a we're in a strange twilight world here oh. and and well, but what i can say if anybody damages my building i'll be getting the big stick out yeah, they were very careful in the wording about yes, they were going to take away the things they they believed. Well, they're entitled to. They're entitled to, but they're not entitled. They're not entitled to do it without consent from me. Interesting. That's right. We, does that mean you've not had a chance to go inside for some time? No, I'd like to. Yeah. But, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go through the door, like a ride on Sonic Sonic Saturdays. And don't I'll just, I, might, I might just turn up with a with a wig and a you know moustache or something. Well, they'll be expecting it now. Well, uh, <laughs> Well, we were saying we've got surveys. We were, you were, we were talking about whenever this will be done. 
Um, a big uh, counterpoint to the Save the Level uh, campaign has been to say, like, listen, nothing, you're, I think a strong point you've tried to make is that nothing's going to change or not materially. You're going to have to say, change, minor, but things will change. Yeah. It's, yeah, you want to say, well, it's, even if it's not spiritual, the point is, like, we're not going to rename it. We're not going to change, change, I suppose. But um, there's be, there is probably a plan when you arrive, whether that be uh, upgrading the sound system sonically or if there's a period of investment, is there going to be a period of closure, a period of renovations? What are the plans when the team does, in fact, arrive? Or is it, as you say, nothing's going to change, the party will, will be back on within a week? I think it's unlikely that it would be on within a week unless there's been a, a change in temperature between myself and Mr Mills. And, mm. I, and I wrote, and I, I'm... As I said at the hearing, and as I've said continuously, I'm del- I'd be very happy to talk to him. He's got my email and he's got my mobile number, and I'll probably try and reach out to him again, actually, because uh, you just have to keep trying to talk to somebody. In, ter- in legal terms, so next steps are very spe- very specific. So we, we've applied to the court uh, because Mr. Mills refused to, to react respond to our... Um, uh, didn't respond to us, so we had to serve some legal papers. Um, and um, you know, just pause you, sorry, Dom. It sounds like it's going into legals. I was, I was more talking about like the plans for regenerations or what. Yeah, no, but this is the thing is they're, they're both linked. You see, so we've okay, so there'll be a hearing at some stage in January, February, March next year, quarter one, we think it will be, and then at that hearing uh, a decision is made by the judges to whether i've i've basically proven my claim or proven our case as the landlord and then if that's the case if it's a successful uh hearing for us then mr mills has given three months to vacate the building so he could operate the lead mill during that period of time or he could close it and um then when we get the keys to the lead mill, we will then presumably have to do some building works to it, which are probably going to be fairly extensive. I would say probably six months work. So what we would want to do is to do those works and then reopen it as quickly as possible. Because obviously, the, you, you, you know, nobody wants to be shutting buildings for a very long period of time. And in fact, you know, last year I did two huge refurbishments, one in Bristol following our fire, which took six months. And I did the same in Newcastle. So we've got the skills and we've got the experience of being able to refer buildings quickly and efficiently. But it's all, about, it's all about programming and stuff as well, though, isn't it? Can you talk specifics about what you want to see done then? Well, to be honest, I don't... Again, I haven't been in very recently. <laughs> so um, I think our vision for it is to keep... Is to keep it as... We want to keep the handwriting very close to, to what it is at the moment. So I'm not, and you know, again, people have been worrying. There's been statements which have been sort of worrying people that I'm some, I'm, you know, my mate Peter Marks who runs Recon and has Prism nightclubs with, you know, it's all very shiny and all that stuff. That's not what we're about. We're not doing that. What we want to do is focus in on a couple of things. One is we've been talking to people in the music industry who said that some of the facilities need upgrading. That doesn't mean that the look and feel is going to change. That just means things like toilets and backstage areas and dressing rooms and things need to be fixed. That's probably the... And then we're putting sound and light back in and just making sure it's a cracking gig, which it is, and it needs to remain being the same thing. So, you know, um, yeah. Where have you landed on the name? 
there was uh, rumors beforehand or like one of the one of Phil Mills's um, tenants of his previous campaign was to say they were going to come in and change the name. Uh, where are, well, there might be a question right now. Where well, this not, we we are, so we we were considering um, not for the lead mill. We were considering another premises in the city, and so we applied for the electric Sheffield trademark, which obviously everyone conflated the two things. Interesting. We've actually applied for, we've actually owned the trademark Electric Sheffield, but given that all my regional venues are individually branded and aren't electrics, I think it's unlikely we'll call a lead mill Electric Sheffield because that would just be completely, it just wouldn't work, I don't think. But we've applied for it anyway. Um, And I think there is a trademark that Mr. Mills has. He's got certain rights that Mm-hmm. Full, full, full as a result of that. But I, I'm, you know, I've got, I've got to be a little careful because we, we, these are matters that are live in the court case. So I can't really drill into that in any detail. But I'd be very, I'm confident to say that I don't think anyone will notice much difference, to be honest, when we finally reopen. I think I just want to pivot back to that final question to do with um, the opinion at this point. Because the the Save the Level campaign has been predilected on this narrative or this idea that the team in there is what is the soul of the lead mill. They're the ones who are supported by the public. And this new team are coming in. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. People aren't. I'll finish off the statement. So I was going to ask you just one more time. I mean, what what do you think the public opinion of of this movement right now? Um, What do they think of you, I suppose, is my real the thrust of that one they've got their predilection on we're the ones who are the soul of this of this this building and the london man is coming in what do you think sheffield thinks of of you and your team at this moment well i don't think we've been able to share our vision or or describe our plans enough for people to really uh, have take a full view or an educated view what i do think they we have been able to share is enough about who we are and extinguish some of these mad ideas or you know you know incorrect uh assumptions that have been banded around that we've that we're completely unsuitable as operators that we run unsafe premises all that is completely nonsensical it's rubbish and i think people now in sheffield and from talking to people in sheffield both in the music industry and also in the in you know in the in stakeholders in the city um i think people are certainly fairly relaxed about who I am and I think they're fairly relaxed about our track record as electric group of course and I go back to something Alan Dedman from Tramline said he said Dominic Madden's got to earn his stripes and he's absolutely right you know we've got to come in and we've got to prove it mm. but, but I, go, I come back to this fundamental point again in an ideal world the management team of the lead mill and all the staff of the lead mill would come and work for me and I have mm. no issue that. Wow. Excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, Dominic. It was a, a pleasure Dude, to chat with you. Look forward um, to the next one. So, so do we. Hopefully we can talk again um, uh, when, when potentially, a, depend, yeah, depending on what happens in the future. We'll see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Dominic. And have a Okay. Good thanks, evening. guys. Cheers now. Bye. Thank you very much for joining us uh, there, Dominic. Yeah, um, that's a very strong um, line to end on right there, saying that in an ideal world, in a, in, a, in a different timeline, possibly, he would have just hired Phil Mills and all of his teams just to come 
these employees basically it's quite a strong way of putting yeah. it yeah i i was really fascinated by that because it, it essentially just says that if everything went the way he wanted it to none of this would have happened you know and and ultimately <laughs> so he says yeah. so he says obviously this is you know it's just this is just his word but um you know according to him his ideal world would have been none of the current heads of the lead mill film mills Ian Lawler, those guys that are involved at the very top of the lead mill, would all still be in the same jobs. It's just the ultimate responsibility goes to Dominic Madden. That sounds like what his ideal world would have been, and I find that fascinating. That, that'll pivot on whether he can show us the uh, if the letters he wrote are available for us to see, and if they do, discuss whether he could just what are your plans, and if I can bring you on side. When this uh, when this first kicked off in April 2022, call me a bit of a fantasist, but I did like the idea that this could all be resolved with happy families. If jobs could be offered to, you know, Phil Mills and his team are currently the ones in the building and they know the business and they've been doing it for several years fairly successfully. And maybe mm-hmm. I was a bit of a fantasist to think, is it not possible that the people coming in from London could just hire them all and have them just be the incumbent team now working for us instead and we'll all forge on to a new direction? I thought that was too much of a fantasy. I thought I wasn't being a realist, frankly. I thought I was, ah, oh, let's all be happy families. Um, so whether uh, what Don here is saying is true and that he did have maybe once have a plan for hiring them all on size uh, and uh, for whatever reason that relationship wasn't one that could manifest um, he put the uh, he put the blame on Phil there a little bit for not replying to his his letters or to say that Phil did yeah. not uh, and I'd be far be it from me to agree or disagree with that. We know that Phil has been a very difficult man to get a hold of for any uh, interview or for any podcast for that matter. Um, <laughs> we've been able to get a hold of his general manager, Ian Lawler, for different things in the past. Um, uh, we've heard back from the team when we've written other stories, of course. The star has received other letters from the Save the Leadmill team. We've written stories yeah. about them. But, uh, I mean, just based on our own experience, yes, Phil's been a very difficult man to get a hold of to confirm or deny anything um it was something of a shock to the whole world when he made his appearance at the shadow license uh hearing it was I it wasn't coming this this that... might not be this might be a might be might be meaningless drama to people not in a newsroom but that he made an appearance at the shadow yeah. hearing and a lot of people didn't know who he was until he'd already sat down and everyone had a chance to yeah. nudge each other well it was it was, say, who was that? three days who was later that? Yeah, three days later, three, three, <laughs> like two, two or three days later the, the sheffield tribune and, and vicky monroe come out with this is Phil Mills. You know, yeah. a manager at the Leadmill has confirmed to us that this is Phil Mills. And that was a few days later and nobody had a clue. It was just some, to be, not to be rude, it was just a, a random guy sat behind, like, well, maybe maybe not a random guy, sat behind the Leadmill's lawyers. But, mm. you know, somebody sat behind the Leadmill's lawyers, just stood up, said, can I speak into a microphone? Let off what was seemingly an unplanned rant. Sorry, Phil, it was a bit of an unplanned rant. Um, and sat down again. And it took a few days for the tribune to to confirm it and i'll be honest fair dues i don't think i don't think us or the bbc thought to confirm who i will was, so. i will give all of the credit to sheffield tribune in a um all the president's men kind of style being able to track the, <laughs> identify who that man was and then i don't know if they mashed him to a photo of him you know walking through a forest like bigfoot and they were able to get a photo of phil mills in the past and were able to confirm it's him i will give sheffield tribune all the credit in the world for confirming who that was because i would not have had a scooby's where to start from we talk about that uh, rant there because we finally were able to get a response from dom and the um and the electric group team so this was this was uh phil as it turns out it was at the shadow license hearing uh made this uh comment about 
What was the quote, Harry? I don't want to it say was, it. It was something to do with um, the electric Brixton has 70-odd conditions on it. Um, and, and still, it and I think I think the quote is, and still they have stabbing, still they have rapes, and there is overcrowding. Mm. How many conditions do you need to put on these people for them to comply with safety? That was the quote. That was the ramble. And he kind of sat down after that. Um, no, he did quite a lot. Group, yeah, sorry. That's all right, but the, the electric group kind of sat down afterwards and uh, or reacted afterwards. Once once everyone had figured out that was Phil Mills and his quote was being publicised, the electric group turned around and said it's baseless, it's libelous, all that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, we uh, I, I did some digging. There is seventy one <laughs> non mandatory conditions on the electric Brixton's licence. Only twenty four of which, through my own inference, are anything to do with crime, safety, overcrowding security so not 70 um you know uh, 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 less than half but then dominic obviously shuts all that down today with <laughs> they're not even here i could hear i could, I could hear the wind going out of your sails i mean like yeah. the 24 can the 24 conditions if you correct me am i wrong were to do with not only just like overcrowding and uh, restriction of crimes i think they went as far as um uh, metal detector uh, arches oh, yeah. in places yeah, like yeah, they yeah. were quite like oh wow this is like quite serious it'll be a London it's a London yeah, like, nightclub I've, I've never seen them do yeah I've never seen um, a nightclub in a, in, a, in a Sheffield club but maybe that's because I've not been to many Sheffield clubs that could be completely wrong but I've never so, seen it so I was like what on earth we rather we inherited it <laughs> we rather had this line of questions being like well, well you've got a you've got a London nightclub compared to a Sheffield nightclub there's got to be like yeah. what are the different challenges for marking those things off what about the different safety conditions will they be coming with you to Sheffield what are the what 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 are the challenges that could and then I saw the wind fall out of your sails when he said, like, well, I kind of inherited them. They're not yeah. really they didn't really arrive if it's as he says, uh, they didn't really they weren't really impinged during my uh, captainship of this here of this here vessel. Mm. And I could see the wind going out of his sails because you had a lot of questions about like the safety of nightclubs and he rather said, Oh, they're not mine. <laughs> yeah, which, which kind of which kind of ruined that line of questioning. And I, I will clarify, I, I did go to Lambeth Council, which is obviously the local authority that covers Brixton and, and granted the license for the electric Brixton. And I did mm. ask them to um, kind of like an explanation as to why they felt the need to impose these 70 odd non-mandatory conditions. And they didn't come back to us. I asked them to come back to us before this podcast went out and they didn't. Um, but, you know, we'll find out when they eventually do come back, whether that is in fact true, that, that, mm. that Dominic Madden has inherited all of these conditions. Because if they come back and say, well, we put them on the Electric Brixton after the Electric Group took over, that's a different thing. But, you know, taking Dominic Madden's word for it at the moment, he completely inherited them and they are nothing to do with them. Speaking of what he'll inherit, um, possibility of the derelict flour mill discussion. <laughs> um, we, uh, we, we've had this... Segway. One of the early, <laughs> thank you. One of the early uh, interviews we had with General Manager Ian Law was saying, of course, that we will, um, that, that what Dominic and his team will be inheriting is a quote unquote derelict flour mill. They were going to take all the doors, all the fixtures. Um, bless him, Dom, I think, got got more heated about this topic than anything else he was unhappy unhappy about this assertion um when he said uh, probably the most the strongest thing he said all interview being like if they i'm gonna i'm this is my inflection um if they do any damage to my building (laughs) i'm gonna get uh awfully upset about that one it's very strong and he's not wrong it is is his building it is his building he owns it and they are (laughs) rent it's the same as like you know if i my head made a dent in my student 
calls wall. <laughs> I would have, I would have, you know, the, the 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 landlord would have made me pay for it. You know, that's how it works. So he was absolutely yeah. right to say my building. But God, was he was he passionate about? Probably, yeah, probably the most um, like uh, bless him. He's a um, he's uh, between. He's here as the front man of his company. It's not for him to give us sound bites, and he was very measured about those things. But we asked him about yeah. the fact that the building might just get stripped back to a derelict flour mill, and he got, bless him, he got a little bit more heated under the collar than I, I'm, I'm very glad to see. A bit of a bit of humanity in that one. Yeah, he's been, um, he was very level-headed throughout the whole thing, and and that you know the thing. idea that <laughs> yeah that, that really got you know it maybe maybe didn't get really under his skin. Maybe maybe we're maybe we're reading um, into it. But I thought maybe it was we're reading into it too much. But I I got the impression that that was something that he would if they if that happens it will really wind him up <laughs> it plays nicely into him saying like uh i mean um basically now as we understand the situation as dominic and his team have not been in the building for quite some time we don't know the exact amount of time but they've not i'm not going to say not allowed but they have not been on the premises for mm. some time that's what Dominic uh, alleged, wasn't it? That they wouldn't let them in, but yeah, that's that's that's, that's the thing. I, I I'm hairy to say like it's a matter of not being allowed in or that, or maybe they're just not welcome. He claimed that they went down there for a surveillance and they weren't allowed in. Yeah, one for us to uh, to look into quite some soon. Uh, we made a joke about him just popping on a wig and arriving at Sonic Saturdays and see if he can get in that way, but maybe that's just <laughs> not really his, his scene. Um, but that you know that that is interesting because um, we didn't know what the plans for the building are. I would say Dominic did not give us a strong idea of what the plans for the building are because he doesn't know himself yet. He's not been in the building yeah. for quite some time. He doesn't know if they need to yeah. gut it, if they need to do extensive building work. They don't know if they need to refit the entire bathroom. Um, all these things are fine. I've been in the lead myself recently. All these things are still operational currently. But when he steps in, uh, well, there's to say he doesn't know what changes he's going to make or what the uh, renovations will be, if any, because apparently he's not been in a while for quite some time to to make a decision on these things. A big question we've had all this time: Is he going to what upgrade the sound system? Is he going to close it for a period of investment? Is he going to undertake renovations? Apparently, we don't know, and apparently he doesn't know because he hasn't hasn't got the freedom to go he in and check. Seen it, yeah, <laughs> he, he did. He did, of course, say at one point that he his expectation was that they may have to close for about six months, which I thought mm. was a long time. Um, a... But maybe in the grand scheme of things, isn't a long time. But he, you know, he said close for six months, do a little bit of renovating or improvement or whatever he wants to do, um, and then they reopen again and by his assertion um it is continuing as normal right um the lead mill programming is staying the same that is effectively what he's said he's not going to turn it into prism was i think the reference he made prisms that are all over the country he's not going to turn it into <laughs> prism um it's going to be as he has said the entire time continuity of programming Okay. Um, which I think Leadmill fans will obviously be quite pleased about. The uh, He gave some clarity on the electric Le Sheffield situation. Some people might remember that the uh, there was a rumour floating mm. around that it was going to be renamed to the Electric Sheffield. He said that he was looking at a different venue to open and call that Electric Sheffield, which is what he... he you made that trademark for or he opened that business under a company's house for and then it got misconstrued with the lead mill leading to a rumor that the lead mill will be made into the electric sheffields um mm -hmm. i um well i mean well, this, this, is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing on, on that one um he could he, he owns a trademark for the electric sheffield mm. um Phil Mills owns the trademark for the lead mill. 
ultimately nobody can stop them from changing it to the electric Sheffield if they want to they own that trademark mm. but he's saying he said today that he wants to turn he wants to keep it minimal difference so i'm presuming we may see the word lead mill in there somewhere because the building is called the lead mill it's the lead mill building right um so there's got to be I, I imagine there's some sort of way he can get the word lead mill in there somewhere but i don't well, when the campaign is all about the soul of it and uh you know the keeping the lead mill as this uh, this bastion of sheffield's integrity and cultural spirit and the rest of it it would be a tremendously foolish idea to change the name <laughs> and I, I think they've got a real battle ahead of them on that one because if they change the name away from the lead mill and they don't get the chance to explain to people why they're doing it or if they literally have to they literally have to change the name away from the lead mill they will look like they are coming in and changing too many things um yeah they have a massive battle ahead of them about how and if they change the name because i think if you stop it from being the lead mill you play into the save the lead mill campaign's hands of of performatively destroying the spirit of it destroying the identity of it by taking away the name lead mill um, which is why I'm, I'm i'm hesitant to talk about it or what their uh, their their steps forward are from here um that is yeah that is like that is quite the rat trap that right there where how mm. do you update the name while convincing people that it's still the lead mill uh if you if the trademark for lead mill is somewhere else i'm actually sweating just thinking about it frankly <laughs> um like I, I i don't know how to place my words for this one to make it like surely they have a massive battle ahead of themselves as far as like the identity and the branding goes so maybe, maybe yeah. i'm, not, well, paid, I'm not a lawyer i'm not paid enough to think about these sort of things it's all stuff we will um understand in the future um Absolutely. potentially we'll Very stick possible. with the potentially vibe but happen, at, at this point yeah at, at this point I haven't seen much of a reason as to why the electric group might take over. So that's that. And um, well, maybe we can have Dominic back for an episode two on the other side of the saga whenever it does indeed come to an end. But maybe we should leave it there. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely fair. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for for tuning in for the Sheffield Scoop for a second time. Thank you, Alistair, for for joining us again. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. My face is on the pocket. It's fine, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, we will both be back, hopefully, for uh, episode three in another two weeks. Um, who we may, may, the plan is, um, to discuss the this week's resignation of uh seven i believe is it seven of some labor councillors from the sheffield labor party um we'll see you there goodbye